You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. Some exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Today, I'm joined by Alex Immel. Alex is the founder of Next Level Negotiation, where he has worked with over 100 top-notch professionals negotiating salaries at companies like Amazon, TikTok, and Best Buy. Alex touts an impressive resume, helping his clients, on average, earn $26,000 more than the initial offer they received in the negotiation process. Alex is incredibly passionate about what he does and is on a mission to simplify the salary negotiation process and make it less scary for all levels of job seekers. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Shout out to Kaylin for connecting us. Really appreciate you coming on today to talk about all things salary negotiation, which feels so loaded. And honestly, when I was doing my prep, it just took me down memory lane of corporate and all the awkward times where I wanted to negotiate, but was afraid, didn't know how. Before we dive into that, I want to just hear a little bit about you, where you're from, kind of how you arrived at like your mission being helping people not only negotiate their salary, but increase their pay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on and definitely feel those feelings of it's uncomfortable to talk about salary and compensation. So can relate to that, but I'll give you some background. I started my career in sales, learned a lot of the basic negotiation skills that I use today. After that, I moved into program management where I was able to launch, manage, and scale three different job placement programs for a company called Pathrise, which is a career coaching startup focused on helping people land jobs in tech. You know, I've been helping people negotiate salaries somewhat informally for the last five years or so. But then that led me to the great opportunity at Pathrise where I became the product manager and lead negotiator for their salary negotiation service that they use for their clients. Then, like a lot of people, I was laid off. <laughs> you know, tough economy, job market is tough. But uh, rather than kind of sulk and be sad about that, I took it as an opportunity to launch next level negotiation. And we help make career to executive level job seekers negotiate their salary. And we get paid on a performance-based model. So it's $0 upfront for all of our clients. And then we take 10% of the difference between the initial offer and final offer that we help them increase. So if there's no increase, there's no fee. And you know we've had a lot of success, been able to help people negotiate with large tech companies like Amazon or TikTok to small startups and really everything in between. But you know I'm really proud to say that We've had some great outcomes for our clients and you know, some getting up to $26,000 increases on their salaries. I've really learned a lot through this process and over the last few years with negotiation. And my mission has really become like 
to make salary negotiation a more collaborative and productive part of the interview process that rather than this like really scary beast that people are trying to tackle. Absolutely. No, that's wonderful and can totally relate to being laid off and starting your own thing. It can be a catalyst as scary as it may feel. I was laid off last September, three weeks before my wedding and decided to jump full-fledged into this and it worked out. But at the time I was horrified. So congratulations. I know it's a long road, but the work you're doing is really important. When you think about kind of that first moment when just from your own personal experience, like when it was time to negotiate salary and maybe it was a negative experience, maybe it was a positive experience that kind of gave you this idea to start helping people. What moment kind of comes to mind for you in your own personal experience? Yeah, it's actually probably the first offer that I was given out of college. I didn't negotiate it. <laughs> and that's embarrassing to say as like a... So many people don't do that. Yeah. I didn't either. It, well, the reality is I've seen some stats out there I think that there was a fidelity study, only 42% of people negotiate their salary, yet nine out of 10 people have success when they do. So <laughs> there's... Wow, that's a stat line. Yeah, for yeah. There's a lot of money that's left on the table. Even, you know, I've done some calculations on this in the past where if you start off at $80,000 as your initial salary, let's say out of college, over the course of a 40-year career, let's say you have 5% annual raises through that career you would earn $1.2 million less than someone that started at $90,000. So literally that 10K difference that if you likely could be able to negotiate could cost you $1.2 million over the course of your career just by simply not negotiating. So that's another, that's another stat line for you right there. I'm like speechless because I'm thinking about like my first job was fresh out of college for a company called ASRV, uh, which is now one of the bigger competitors to Gymshark. And the introductory pay was 45000 And I thought, this is great. Uh, I, I have no money in my account. So this is wonderful. I'll, I'll take it, except. And after that, even with Nike, like it was the same thing going from like a small startup to like one of the biggest companies in the world. I knew they had a line out the door. And if I, you know, made any noise, it could just be a quick bait and switch and choose another candidate. I've even gotten into negotiations. I remember for a bank where... I remember questioning their range and citing multiple sites on ranges and them actually getting upset and contentious to the point where it got escalated because the HR rep didn't respond to my email. So I totally empathize with not only like that stat line. So first time, second time negotiators like really take it seriously, but there's a bigger problem, which I think is that corporate culture, you know, HR is designed to protect the company's bottom line. So when you are starting to slowly pick apart trauma with your clients, because I think a lot of it is just fear of negotiation or fear of the outcome, what are some common like myths or misconceptions that your clients have? And, and what are some of those things that you help them break through? And what are some of your key points that, that you help them with? Well, one of them is actually something that you mentioned just now, that HR is there to protect the bottom line. And, and a lot of senses it is. But what we're really talking about in the negotiation is the recruiter that you're dealing with, right? Yeah, that absolutely. The person that is essentially your guide through the interview process. They're not the hiring manager. They're not the hiring team or they're part of the hiring team, but they're not the decision maker. And what a lot of people think is that the recruiter is like not on your team or is incentivized to get you a lower salary, which is so far from the truth. I've talked to 
countless recruiters. Wait, they aren't? They aren't. Oh, I didn't know that either. I didn't even know that. Exactly. That's, I mean, that, that's a common misconception across the industry. And recruiters are trying to scream it out there and say, listen, we want you to accept the offer, right? They're measured on offers accepted, not on offers declined. Nothing to do with the compensation package that someone got. Now, some recruiters might be trained by you know their hiring team or, or at some point from that company to push back on offers and you know give objections and, and try to make it harder for people to negotiate because of the bottom line aspect in companies they need to make money so they're not going to give you the best offer first but at the end of the day recruiters they're on your team they should be your friend in this process because they're going to go back and advocate for you when you do ask for money you know that's what the decision maker is going to be doing is making that decision based on what the recruiter is saying about you so I, this is maybe my first or second job. I got a 45K or 60K offer. I get it in the email. I'm excited because I got the job ready to roll. What's one of the best ways that I can approach that conversation without coming off as ungrateful? Because I think that's always something I heard is like, I don't want to feel ungrateful. And as my career's progressed, I've learned how to say, thank you, but X, Y, and Z. What does one of those scripts potentially look like that can be a differentiator in, in getting a 10 or 15% bump in that initial offer? Yeah, well, there's two things you're talking about here. One is like the feeling of potentially seeming ungrateful or greedy, right? Greedy, yeah. You know, I hear that all the time. The reality is of this situation, there's a lot to unpack. The only way you look greedy is if you approach the negotiation disrespectfully. So to avoid looking greedy, you always want to reiterate your excitement for the role, why you're interested before you make an ask. And then also when it comes to that, what I've found is that it's actually the opposite in most cases when you negotiate. People actually gain more respect for you, especially if you're in a role where negotiation is part of the job description, where you know maybe you're a product manager and you have to negotiate with other stakeholders internally, or you're in sales and you have to negotiate with the clients, right? So that should be just a natural thing that people do. But I also want to address the point of the underlying thing behind what's going on with the company, where oftentimes people think that offers will be rescinded if you negotiate, right? Mm, yeah, um, that's huge. The reality of that is it's incredibly rare an offer would be rescinded. If you think about what's going on with the company, they've spent a ton of money to get to the point where they extend you an offer. Their time, their resources, you know, all of that accumulated to giving you an offer, the last thing they want to do is go back on that, right? The only times I've seen offers getting rescinded are or if the company feels like you're a liability. So for example, if a red flag came up after you got the offer, like it in a background check or something, or it's a culture problem of the company. So you talked about like you getting pushback. It might be just a challenge because think about like how difficult it will be later down the line when you ask for a promotion or a pay raise you know, if they don't respect your request for more money up front, then, you know, think about how they're going to treat you later. And so I promise you, if you are getting an offer rescinded simply because you negotiated, you are probably dodging a bullet from a company that won't actually respect you. Hindsight's twenty twenty, And it was absolutely a culture problem. And I was only at that company for six months. because I quickly learned that pivotal lesson. Something that's worked really well for me. And it's been honestly a differentiator, not only for myself when I was in corporate, but also now as I hire folks, what I look for, one of my common tactics was to showcase 
not only the knowledge I learned in the interview, but also the value in the timeline that I was aware of. So instead of saying, hey, you know, fair market value is, you know, actually this number, actually I learned that you guys have these multiple friction points or these new lines of revenue streams that I can get up and running in three months to repay this. I found that to be really effective. And I actually remember, uh, it was like one of my really good friends, Tori Dunlap, she makes she made a viral TikTok of her like typing out a script and then drinking a glass of water and her hands shaking. She's like petrified of what she just sent. And that was me. And to your really great point, actually I was respected and they actually gave me that raise. And as now the hirer and, and executive, I've actually given 30, 40% bumps from the initial offer due to that type of script where it was like really enticing. So I just wanted to like give a little bit of coloric and my own kind of shared experience there. Like just because it feels good, it looks good. It also is still really scary just because at the end of the day, these things are, you know, tied to our livelihood. And I think that's another big reason why people are a little bit afraid is they just, they need that paycheck. Yeah. I can actually, just to even address the, what you were asking earlier of like, what are some of the strategies on how you deliver that counter offer? That is one of them where you talk about your value that you're bringing to the company. So the way that I work with my clients on this is we we come up with like our value headline. So that means basically the problems that you're seeing with the business. You know, what are the problems that you're coming in to solve? How are you going to solve them? And then what results will they see because of that? So it could be cost savings, it could be more efficiency in the operations, it could be, you know, more revenue that you're driving, but all of those have a value around it. And that's what this salary exchange, this compensation exchange is, right? You're bringing value to the company. So talk about how much value beyond what you know they're paying you is going to be. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And just something I've seen not only with my own experience, but just friends, this imposter syndrome that I'm sure you've spoken about and coach up quite a bit is like, who am I to demand or ask for this value? Are there any exercises, tips to just start to like build that confidence before even the interview process or during? Is there anything that you found works in that area? Well, there's two main things I would say there. One is just to prepare, right? Yeah, you can build your confidence huge. by over-preparing and like making sure that you feel like you're in the driver's seat going into that. So it could be, you know, doing the market research on the rates, coming up with a script that you'll use, practicing that as much as you can so that it feels natural and flowy. And being prepared for objections as well. You know, in, in sales, that's really important where you kind of do what we call an accusations audit. You think ahead of, okay, if I say this or, you know, what kind of objections would come up if this is what I'm offering? And then you prepare to handle those objections later. So that would be number one is prepare for everything because it's a really important conversation. You know, it's thousands of dollars that you might be leaving on the table if you don't prepare. So don't take that lightly. The other thing is your mindset around, this whole process of you want to think of it as a collaboration over a confrontation where... Interesting. I love that. So think of it as like you're collaborating with a colleague on a project and there's a problem that you need to solve. The problem is finding the best possible offer for a really good candidate. You just happen to be that good candidate. So if you shift your mindset there and, and think of it as like, ooh, I, I'm working with this person, like we're trying to figure this out together, your approach can change a lot and it doesn't become as scary, you know? Absolutely. I think that's a really, really wonderful way to shift a mindset away from this kind of us versus them, 
mentality, which starts to kind of snowball on some of those fears that you mentioned. My curiosity was heightened when you mentioned objections because I just feel like there's so many different flavors of objections. And so having someone like you next to me in this process is great to like soundboard. What are some of the more difficult objections that you've encountered maybe in your own career, even with your clients would made you go, hmm, that was interesting. Or even, even if that's too hard, even just like common objections. I just think that's really interesting. And I think that's where a lot of people are kind of like kept up at night. It's like, what are they going to say back? Yeah, I think there's a couple that come to mind immediately. And most of the time, it's it's tactics that a recruiter was taught. Or, you know, if you're negotiating directly with the hiring manager, there could be their own approach as well and, and their pushback. And they always have justification around that. But one, for example, is like, when a recruiter responds and says, this is the best and final offer, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And then magically, a couple hours later, they come back with more money. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's really funny how that works. But you know, for, for something like that, it might sound like, you know, thank you, totally appreciate and understand you, you might want to be moving quickly and, and this might be the best and final offer. Uh, you know, based on what you know about me as a candidate, how well I did in the interview process, is there any flexibility on the offer as it stands and what I'm aiming for? Or it could be, you know, given how well I did in the interview process and my background, would it be unreasonable to go back to the team and at least ask for this amount? Mm, I love that. You know, it's like we're now now we're just trying to figure out, okay, can I go can you go ask? <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, that's key. And I think that's super important because I know I've been stopped there. I'm like, well, well. Tried my best. Time to sign on the dotted line. So I really appreciate you giving that context. Something that I've used in the past is going back to that manager, my manager, who will be my manager, and saying, is there any way to build this into like a 60-90 day plan or even an annual review if I hit this to, to get that additional? Also talk about like in these environments, I think something that people often overlook is benefits uh, as another way to kind of bolster the offer, what are some of those benefits that maybe you would ask for if they're kind of shutting you down on the offer side? What are some of the more common kind of benefits that you would potentially look at adding into that package? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people, when they think about negotiating salary, often they're restricted to just thinking about like base salary or bonuses. So they're just thinking about like cash compensation. And even some people only think about base salary, but there's you know bonuses, commission, other things that you can negotiate. There's so many things on the table. Like I have a list of 100 plus things that you could negotiate. Not everything is relevant for each situation and not everything is important to you. But, you know, that could be equity, right? That's that's a big one and that could pay off really well in the future in some cases. Usually I look at it as a nice to have for like a startup that you don't know if they're going to go IPO or if there's going to be an acquisition. But um, you know, maybe for a larger corporation like Amazon, equity is a huge part of the compensation package. You can make a lot of money there. There's like, you know, maybe a 401k matching program if they have those types of benefits. Uh, it could be like pet care, right? You know, if they're expecting you to come into the office twice a week, let's say, but you have your dog at home and you need to hire someone on Rover to pay for that, that's a very reasonable thing to ask for. You know, would it be impossible to get a, a stipend every month for pet care so that I don't have to pay for this out of pocket? You know, it could be a commuting stipend. It could be a, a company car if you're in sales and are required to travel around a certain territory. There's a professional development stipends. Companies love that because 
Yeah. Honestly, I've used that in the past. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically saying I want to learn and grow so that I can be better at my job. Are you willing to pay for that? And a lot of companies are more receptive to that. So there's a long, long laundry list, you know, parental leave, other factors. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears a little bit. I love examples. I love hearing success stories from your side. Like what's one of your favorite success stories that really stands out? It can be anonymous, not to use names, but I'm just, I just want to like put a real example here. Cause I think, especially with layoffs right now, this is going to be a very, very highly listened to episode. And I'd love to give some just actual testimonials. Yeah, absolutely. Let's call this client Jeff. Okay. Jeff tripled his salary. And I got him a $26,000 increase uh, from the initial offer to final offer. So I'll tell you the context here. Jeff came in. uh, He was really nervous about negotiating. He'd never done it before. He actually worked in government. So he was a like executive assistant to a congressman uh, on Capitol Hill. And if you know anything about that world, which I learned about when I talked to him, I had no idea before then, you work really, really hard in that role, but get paid absolutely terribly, right? So he's making like $70,000 a year doing everything, right? He met with me. Basically, he got an offer. Uh, so he went through the interview process with corporate companies. He wanted to like get out of that space and get into the corporate world because there's a better payday. You know, Maybe there's more flexibility, other things like that. So he met with me on a Wednesday when the offer was extended by uh, you know one, a large retailer, basically. And it was for a like lobbyist role. So it was a perfect fit for his background. He had some leverage. You know, he had connections in the industry that he could tap into already and lobby uh, for this big retailer. But he felt the, the pressure of that tight deadline coming up. They said, we need to hear back by Friday end of day. And he only had a couple of days. So first things first, we did that. We sat down together. We did some market research for the role that he was targeting. We customized the script on his counteroffer. And then we practiced the hell out of it and made him feel really, really comfortable and confident going into that conversation like he was in the driver's seat. So we prepared for every possible scenario, every objection that they might have. uh, And he felt really motivated and confident going in. And then thanks to that, the outcome of it was, you know, Thursday morning, we prepped. Thursday afternoon, he gave his counteroffer. Friday morning, they came back with a, a better offer. Friday midday, we pushed a little bit more. And then by Friday, end of day, they had a great offer for him that he accepted. So he went from like 194,000 to 220 in his total comp and literally tripled his salary from 70,000 to 220. That's amazing. And again, this feels like just having a coach by your side, like this is very new. I don't think people are even recognize that like resources like you exist. So I, I love that example. Switching gears, like Obviously, you were laid off, and this is a really big change now to being a founder and running a company. And now, like, not only like your own livelihood, but now like helping others to advocate for themselves, raise salaries. Like, just walk us through, like, what's this journey been like for you? Like, the ups and the downs, whatever stands out to you. But I I just want to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you for that question. It's hard to be an entrepreneur. Mm. <laughs> and I know you can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is, but it's worth it. <laughs> it is. It, I, I do believe yeah. it's worth it. First of all, there's there are a lot of ups and downs, and that's so cliche. But you know, I have some weeks where I'm super excited and, and loving everything that I'm doing. Other weeks where I'm like, it doesn't come as naturally, or like I have reservations, or I'm scared about being able to pay rent. 
you know, those types of things that that come up. And, you know, I have a family, I have a fiance, I have a little wiener dog named Kiwi, you know, I'm, these are people that are, and dogs that Kiwi, are really that. important to me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like this heavy responsibility to provide for my family and just like succeed financially, right? And so, yeah, it's a hustle, it's a grind. But what is really cool is I love every second of what I do. And every time I jump on a phone with a client and I'm able to like work with them on a strategy for negotiation and, you know, I see the results and $26,000 increases and like what that does for people where now they can pay off the credit card debt that they had, or they can put a down payment on a home. That is so incredibly rewarding that all of the hard work, all of that, those blood, sweat, tears, it's worth it at the end of the day. So that's kind of always what I remind myself of is like the why and what's keeping me going. That's awesome. And I love asking this question because like I have to revisit it a lot. Like when you think about Alex back right when you were getting ready to start, I mean, you're thinking about starting your LLC, opening your bank accounts, like just like getting going. What are some of the doubts that you had at that time? And what are some of the like things that you now discover that maybe you worried a lot about that now you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't that bad when you were getting ready to launch this? The doubts were more so around if it could be sustainable income-wise. I did feel pretty confident about my negotiation skills going into it because I had already had a lot of experience helping people negotiate. So I felt good about that, but it was more so, am I going to be able to get the clients that I need to sustain a living? Am I going to be able to become like a credible source of and a thought leader, so to speak, in the space? Like, how do I figure that stuff out? And like, also the operations around it, you know, maybe not my biggest strong suit. um, But what I've learned over time is that personally, I have like this figure it out mentality that, you know, everything, I have this like fundamental belief in life in general that everything's always working out for me. And Mm, I love that. And that's just like such a a, a peaceful feeling. So whenever I, I do have that, like, I'm stuck or, you know, there's like a really big challenge in front of me. I always remind myself, everything is always working out. Even if it doesn't look exactly how you pictured it to look, you know, you're going to figure it out somehow. So just do it, lean in, you know, you're going to fail, but you'll learn from that and, you know, you'll do something better. I think that I I share that same lesson and I really embrace that now that pretty much anything that I imagine happening, there'll be a flavor of the outcome that I wanted, but it's going to look abstract. It's not going to look like anything that I imagined. And that's not a bad thing. And I think that's so important, especially not only as we think about our own careers, but just even in the like negotiating space. I remember so many stories I wrote about the scenario and what may happen and what does happen. But the moment I was in it, it, it took the shape that I wanted. But the, you know, the way we got there was a little bit different. So I, I really appreciate you, know, you sharing that. Something that I think is really important in success, not only in entrepreneurship, but just in general in your career is how you define success. So what is your definition of success, not only from like a monetary perspective, but just like in general for for your own life? Yeah, I think that's part of my definition is that it's not restricted to just financial or career success. Those things are important to me. And I think at different points in my life, there's more weight on those in terms of the success that I'm striving for. But it's also relationships. It's also my health. It's spiritual. I don't know and, and the other categories, but you know, it's like the holistic view of how my life is going. And I really think it's a matter of perspective. Like I feel very successful right now, even though I was recently laid off. And a lot of people may feel the opposite. 
and they may get stuck on the laid off thing. But there's other areas of your life that you can lean into that may feel successful, right? Like right now, I feel really successful because I feel healthy. You know, I feel so grateful to be in San Diego with an incredible group of friends and support network that I'm around. You know, I'm getting married. Like that's exciting. That feels successful. So if one area of your life doesn't feel successful at one point, you know, maybe there's another area that you can look at and, and find gratitude for. So that's kind of where I look at it. It's just like, what can I find gratitude in my life for? I absolutely love that. And it's, as I've done this interview is episode 56, uh, about half the answers are, are very similar in that regard where you have to kind of have that holistic approach and congratulations on getting married. Uh, that's going to be amazing. And I, I'm rooting for you. How can we support you? Where can we connect with you? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I, I mean, I would just connect on LinkedIn. You know, I post every day about salary negotiation stuff. I'm, um, that's where you can probably find out most about me or connect. I always respond to DMs. So if you have a question about salary negotiation, happy to support there. You know, and if you do want to talk on the phone, you know, obviously you can have a free consultation with me or, or someone on my team. Happy to support with that. So yeah, I would say check me out on LinkedIn, connect with me and uh, we'll go from there. Amazing, Alex. Thank you so much for the great tips and insights on salary negotiation and sharing your experience. I appreciate you coming on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok.